Alright, welcome to the Is This Us, the podcast. And I gotta tell you, we just finished watching the most recent episode of This Is Us, like we do every week. And we have got all of the feels from this episode. A lot of conflict actually has resulted from this episode between George and I. We've actually been sitting here for the last 10 minutes just debating all sorts of different things. It's the first time this has ever happened to us with this show. Oh, I'm about to say, with this show, yes. <laughs> right, right, right. In, in our personal lives as friends and coworkers, we debate frequently. Yeah, this is also true. Yo, this <laughs> this episode, I just I feel like we, we land in a similar place when it comes to interpretation of things. And this episode feels like the first time where it's like, nah, I don't know. I don't know if that's what I'm getting. I don't know if that's what I'm seeing. It's funny. This episode for me, and we're about to get into it in the in the weeds, if you will. Uh, I'm not quite sure where that phrase ever counted. Like in the weeds. Yeah, where did in the weeds come from? I'm not. Sure. My man Aaron. Uh, it came from Aaron. Did he no, come up with no, it? No, that's not what my happened. My boy Aaron. He came up with in the weeds. I need you to take a nap. Okay. So my man Aaron, we were we were writing something the other day. And he kept saying that I get in the weeds. I get in the weeds. I'm like, yo, who says that? And also, nobody ever gets in the weeds. <laughs> Actually, you stay away from the weeds. You stay away from the weeds. Right. Like, that's the last thing you want to do when true. you're gardening. Especially if you have shorts on, the weeds feel a little itchy. I'll mow the lawn. Okay. I'll okay. get in the grass. But not in the weeds. No. Nah, you, might, you might even jump in the leaves. I will definitely jump in the leaves. But you won't get in the weeds. No. Well, I, I, I mean, I'll do it if I have to. Got it. I think, But I feel like that's what it's talking about, right? Like... Doing the thing. No, I get getting the weeds like getting in the depth of things, like right. the, the messiness of it. Got it. Okay. Right. Yeah, it's different. But you do it with like some pleasure, like, oh, we're about to get in the weeds. Like, I'm excited to get in the weeds here. Got it. I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that. This is the first episode, I think, that I've felt I've got to process an awful lot. Like, normally when I have when I see the show and we talk through it, I feel like I process like pretty readily. But there's there was so much in this episode mm-hmm. that I, I I'm still processing through this. Mm-hmm. Every time I watch this show, I begin to ask myself questions about the themes that were brought up as it pertains to my life, right? And that alone is enough to get you crying. But there was a lot about this episode that really made me think about just like the people, the young people that I work for. Who did you feel like by the end of this episode, you had either connected with the most, sympathized with the most, empathized with the most, however you want to frame it, but like felt just really connected with by the end of this episode? I might have to say Deja's mom. Whew. There is something around wanting so badly to be in a place where you can do a thing and consistently realizing you are not ready. You are not the one. You want to be the one. You really want to be the one. And you're not. And the difficulty in earning, owning that, right? watching Deja's mom realize, I am not what's best for Deja. I'm not what's best for Deja. That that is a realization that I feel like I've come to in my life where I'm like, oh, I wanted to be the one here and I'm not. And that's difficult. That's difficult to own, right? It's difficult to own that you may not be what someone needs. Which is so interesting. I wouldn't have thought you'd say Deja's mom because we were both, as we were talking through the episode, we're, we both had some like pretty strong feelings seeming like we're not like connecting with or empathizing with mm. Deja's mom, right? Like, Because oh. there's a lot in that episode that's really easy to get upset with her about and like she makes some incredibly dumb and selfish and, and repeat actions. So let me be clear. I was mad at her. <laughs> I was super mad at her about all the mistakes that she made. 
that she did not take responsibility in the way that she needed to take responsibility. How she moved in the world made Deja at five years old realize she had to take responsibility. I just know what it's like to make repeat mistakes, right? And to say, I'm gonna do better this time and not do better. I know, I know what that feels like. I know what it's like to be in that cycle, to be in that rut. And I know what it's like to finally come to the realization that like, yo, I'm not the one. <laughs> I'm not the one. And so, yeah. And maybe part of what may, may upset her is that I saw a little bit of myself in her. It's interesting that you bring up that Deja's mom is the one you connect with the most because she had me and her experience that we see in the episode had me thinking an awful lot about a character that we barely see in this episode. We see him only for a flash and it's William. And the reason why I was thinking about William for probably the last 15 minutes and up until the end to the moment where, spoiler alert, uh, Deja's mom leaves and leaves Deja with Randall and with Beth was it seems to me that William knew from the very moment Randall was born that he wasn't going to be able to provide for that child the way he knew necessary, mm-hmm. right? And was mm-hmm. able to to leave immediately, yep. right? Whereas it took Deja's mom up until this episode, right, when she's a young teenage woman, to be able to finally say, like, I can't provide for this for this child, Right, and, and so it had me thinking an awful lot about like, how did William know that from the jump, right? Like, what was it that I mean, we see things in episodes, but even still, right? Like, there could have been plenty of signs for Deja's mom that like this isn't going to work. I'm not going to be able to provide for for my daughter, right? And she doesn't come to that conclusion until the very end of this episode. That's a really good point and a really good question. Like, what was it about William? that allowed him to own that early. But there seems to be a connection between how early you own that and the resulting like life that is allowed or that is bestowed upon the people who who you release, right? Because Randall had a great life. Had a great life with two great parents. I mean, you know, your dad Pat dying at 17 in a fire is not hot, but like, you know, Randall had a, a great life and great parents who loved him dearly and look at where he is now, right? And if you mirror that with Deja, it's just like, yo, girls had it rough since out the gate, you know, being left home by by herself um, at five, five years old and like managing. Like, it's not even like I'm home and I'm five and I don't know what to do. No, this is normal. This is life for me. This is how I get down. This is how I've been getting down. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, this was, we haven't even gotten into our yeah, big three we, and, we, and we're going deep already. That's where we're at with this episode. We were going to start this episode by talking about how we really wanted school to be canceled tomorrow with the snow. For all y'all that are listening and don't live in the New Haven or Connecticut area or the Northeast, we've got a nor'easter coming here tomorrow and it's supposed to deliver all sorts of snow and rain and winds and, and all this sort of stuff. And, and rightfully so, this episode of Is This Us is brought to you by... The Weather Channel. <laughs> Weather Channel, please make what tomorrow is supposed to be. Please hype that up a lot so that the school district will cancel now instead of later. I'd appreciate that. And to be clear, if, you, if we haven't made it clear, both me and Christian work with students in the school systems. We mentioned earlier that you and I frequently have disputes mm-hmm. and we argue about things. Mm-hmm. In your mind, what's the greatest dispute? And you can define greatest however you want. What's the greatest dispute you and I have had? Ever? Yeah, in our four or five years of knowing each other. Oh, that's a good one. We were having a debate earlier about... About Kate? 
Nah, 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 nah. We were having that debate. Oh, wait, what was the one we were having? We were having the debate about super villains or villains in superhero oh, movies. Oh, my goodness. We were Hold having up. that debate. So let me tell you. So we were having a debate. I mean, if you haven't seen Black Panther, I'm not sure what rock you've been living under. And if you haven't seen The Dark Knight, you probably aren't alive. And so, like, I'm, I'm just like, yo, we were having a conversation around who's a better villain out of uh, the, the Joker and Eric Killmonger Stevens. So we both agree that Killmonger is pretty much... Is the best. Is the best. We were really arguing about who's in the number two slot. Got it. And we were like, the Joker or Magneto or... And we kind of landed on this idea of like what makes a good villain. And the idea that a good villain, at least to me, has to have a motive that I feel like I can relate to. Just that is not the case with the Joker to me. Like that, I just do not see myself. And I don't see people seeing themselves in a sociopathic clown who's going around causing havoc for the mere fact of causing havoc. Even Alfred says, like, some people just want to see the world burn, and that is his motive. George, you're you're allowed to your opinion, as is everybody. I think you're wrong. Got it. Um, because, or at least my opinion on it, is that the reason why the Joker is such a powerful number two all-time villain, I do not see myself in the Joker. I just want to be clear about that. I do not see myself as a sociopath who dresses I'm really glad. up in makeup. I'm really glad to hear that. Just being clear. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, but I appreciate the villains that bring the superhero down from the pedestal. The Joker appears as a different side of the same coin as Batman in the Dark Knight. And I think so too is the same dynamic with Killmonger and T'Challa in Black Panther. Okay, I see that, I see that. I can put the Joker in number two off of, off of that strength. That sounds strong to me, right? Um, I win! No, because, uh, yeah, okay, I can see that. If that is the standard by which we're judging the good villain, then I can see that because the Joker does do that really well. Killmonger does that. I mean, Killmonger literally dethrones, literally takes him off the pedestal, right? Like, But, um, yeah, the Joker does does do that. I guess my thought is just like, why are you doing it? Like, what, it, what is the reason? It's, it's good to watch. It's good. To, it's entertaining to watch, right? Like, I'm almost tempted to say Magneto, like, just because he's, I, I can understand Magneto's, right, idea, right? Like, Magneto and Killmonger have a lot in common. Christian is still in here with his hand up. <laughs> just to be clear, my arm is high up in the air with my finger pointing up as if to signal I am number one. Yo, don't we got a recap to do? We do got a recap. That was a great transition. I had I had no transition lined up how we were going to tie <laughs> Superheroes and villains into <laughs> This Is Us. That's fine. We need... <laughs> there is a lack of comic books in this show, though. That's an interesting thing. Like, in my childhood, right? And our childhoods are in the same timeline as the big three. Mm-hmm. That is not something that they... They ever got into. They huh? ever got into. Yeah, I guess that's true. See, we found the connection. There we go. We got there. There we go. All right. All right. Let's get this 90-second recap. All right, y'all. So we're about to hit this 90-second recap. You know how we do it. We gonna- this is how we do it. And 
This is how we do it. So every week, we do a 90-minute recap, and me and Christian alternate who's going to do the recap. Last week, I did the recap. I did not make it in 90 seconds. Two minutes, four seconds. Two minutes, four seconds. You didn't have to give everybody the exact time. However, I'm fine with that. The people want the details. I mean, I'm not sure. I think you want the people to have the details, and that's fine, too. Also true. <laughs> so, so this week, Christian is going to do it, and we're going to start now. 90 seconds on the clock. Ready? Set. Go. So this episode actually pieces together a lot of images that we've seen throughout the last two seasons of This Is Us. So it actually starts where we started this show in the very beginning, which was the birth of children, right? We see Kate giving birth. We also see Randall and Beth having their first child. And then we see, at the time, we're not sure who it is, but it's actually Deja's mom giving birth Hmm. to Deja. And that's where we start. And through the entire episode, we follow these through lines, really starting with these with these characters as children, right? And we see that all through the episode. Particularly, we follow a lot of the story of Deja, and we see her growing up, her having to deal with um, getting into the foster system in the first place, um, having to deal with uh, alcoholism and abuse from a foster parent, um, and we see allusions back to Jack with his alcoholism. We see allusions back to Jack's father with his alcoholism. And so we keep going through the episode in this way. We eventually get to Deja going to Randall and Beth's house in the first place and really what landed her there, which was cutting her hand and having to go into the hospital um, and that really starting that whole trend going into there. Um, And then finally, we wrap up once again with Deja and her mom landing back with Randall and with Beth in their Mm -hmm. home and Deja just really being comfortable for the first time um, and having this epic monologue, which we'll get into a little later on, but having this monologue at the end and the and the episode ends with Deja's mom saying that I can't take care of her like she needs to be taken care of and I have to go. Christian, one minute and 40 seconds. Nailed it! No. A minute and 40 seconds is 10 seconds over. Right. But it's also... 24 seconds quicker than you did it last week. Nailed it! Okay, so if that, okay, got it. So he beat me. He beat me this week. I will say, come on, y'all. This was an easy episode to summarize. But you know, I'm not I'm not gonna take away from this man's win. I'm gonna be better. Okay. I'm gonna be better. All right. Next week, yeah, to be clear, stakes are high for you because it is the final episode of the season. Next week is the final episode of This Is Us for this season, which just a little foreshadowing, if you saw the trailer, is Kate and Toby's wedding. There's going to be a lot. I'm just saying. I don't know anything about the and episode, and but I can tell you there's going to be a lot. And apparently Jack comes back from the dead. What is happening? It's a it's a memory. It's a memory. It it's was. A, it's a, it's that a, was like, not. How was that a memory? It's a like remembering Jack and seeing him in the present form. He's dead. He's, he's, clear, he's clearly dead. You don't got to think there's any crazy stuff going on here. Maybe This Is Us is going to turn into a fantasy show and like... Jack can come back from the dead. Maybe Jack comes back as a zombie. Hey, man. The sky's the limit. So it's about time we get into the big three for this week. And actually, this was hard for us to narrow down this week because there were an awful lot of themes uh, to talk about that, that really resonate in a way personally for us, but also have some commentary to the to the world that we live in now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first theme that we wanted to talk about was just the pervasiveness of alcoholism, violence, and abuse and how that can transcend generations and how it impacts an entire family mm-hmm. through generations. So I thought it was just, so there, I mean, this episode will seem to be all about these like really brilliant connections like that makes, De- even though Deja was not a main character in the, in the story, 
uh, I feel like this episode did a lot of work to make her a main character, transition her into a main character, right? And and it did that by tying her story into the story of the main characters, right? The people who have been most prevalent. And one of the ways that that happened uh, had a lot to do with alcoholism, right? So the the young girl who was with uh, Deja in the in the first foster home, I think her name was Raven. She made a comment about how the the man they were with hits her. Like, when he gets drunk, he's going to hit me anyway, so it's fine, right? And eventually that happens when Deja and Raven steal makeup from the store. Uh, the man hits them. And as soon as he hits them, uh, there's this flash. And the flash is someone slapping Jack's little brother. Where we're clear it's his father, and we know that his father's an alcoholic. And then there's another scene, quick flash, of when Jack uh, punched uh, whatever that guy's name who was trying to hit on his wife. It was clear that there was, there was a connection of alcoholism happening. And I thought it was going to be a one-off. Right? Cool. And then when Deja goes back home after like a stand of not being with her mom, the first night she's like, some cat is going to be at dinner with us. He starts off really nice and then you see that there's this, there's a lot of drinking happening, right? He takes a beer from the refrigerator, he goes to sit down next to Deja's mom and they're bickering, bickering, bickering. And then there's scenes of Jack drinking and then there's another scene of Kevin drinking. It happened twice, right? And this time it wasn't physical violence, right? But it's like this emotional violence that's happening. It was a strong connection that I didn't think was going to show up again, but it did, right? Like, Yeah, and one of the things that's interesting, another image that was shown when they were making these connections to alcoholism and, and to its destructive nature, right, was we saw images of Kevin when there was some brief mm. um, callbacks to Kevin when he was drinking and having his alcoholism. And I think what was interesting is like so far... We've seen Kevin and him dealing with alcoholism as he's been recovering, right? And mm. and the fallout from it, although there was some immediate fallout when he first has to be admitted into treatment and then like the after post-treatment when he brings the whole family together and there's like an airing of grievances, like that's where there was some fallout. But beyond that immediate fallout, there hasn't been all that much repercussion for him because we actually see that he gets redeemed in the last episode when he ends up calling Ron Howard and Ron Howard's like, oh, actually the father-son dynamic is incredible and that's what's going to make the film. Yep. And so in the long run, Kevin's actually making out pretty good. So it made me wonder, is this foreshadowing that this alcoholism is going to be a theme and a pervasive theme that, that continues to pull at this family, right? Because what, what was made so clear was that in those moments where alcoholism, violence, and abuse um, has occurred is really those moments that have pulled the families through yep. the generations apart. Yep. Right. And so I wonder, I just wonder if that's going to continue to come up. Maybe not this season, but in seasons to come. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah. I don't think it's over. I don't think the alcoholism is over because think about it. Right. Jack went through it and broke it and then he got back into it and kept it secret for years. Right. And so there's a sense in which even though Kevin is beating it, is he really beating it? Everything happens in cycles. Right. I think that's the whole conceit when we see these flashbacks and we see these mirroring between generations is like that that life and, and the life in a family as it goes through generations is cyclical. Like these things mm -hmm, can show mm -hmm. up over and over and over. And so. So, yeah, I wonder how this cycle continues to manifest as we move forward. Mm. The one thing that I'm hoping. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm wondering because there are places because the show talks about a lot about life and death, um, and that was that was a theme in this episode too, like the idea of death, especially when the the, the great grandma dies and there was allusions to other deaths, right? Um, and we talked about this in a previous episode, right? Where like 
the people are not the only things that die, though, right? So, like, I'm, I'm, there is a sense in which there's room for uh, this, for lack of a better term, generational curse of, of alcoholism to die, right? Like, and and I think, I think there's a lot, given who Deja has been set up to be in this in this episode. I feel like some of that starts with her. One of the cycles that I think we were seeing in what's our second big three of the night is this really interesting connection that was really fortified this episode between the characters of Jack and Randall and Deja, Mm. right? These characters that seem obviously split by generations, right? But are so similar. And we see that because all three of them are abandoned in Mm. some way, right? Jack is very early on abandoned by his parents, right? He's the one that has to take care of his brother. Mm -hmm. We see that a lot and we see images later on in the episode where he's the one handling his bills and the money all by himself. We see Randall, this episode, but throughout two years, like being the one that was abandoned as such always seems to be the person who thinks he has to take care of everything. And then we saw Deja, the interactions with her mom throughout this entire episode, her mom notes like, what would I do without you, right? Because Deja's handling everything from a young age. She's making her mom sandwiches as she goes off to work. She's handling bills, right? She's the one handling all of these things. So it's really interesting dynamic to see the parallels between all three of those characters. They were not subtle with the parallel between Deja and Jack. One of the most powerful scenes in this episode to me was when we saw the Pearsons playing around with with Rebecca with the dough and having fun and being kids. And then we saw Deja making herself a grilled cheese sandwich, actually making her mom breakfast, right? Like there was this sense in which Deja was not allowed to be a kid. She was not allowed because she had to take responsibility for herself and her mom, right? And specifically in my head, her mom. Like there was there was that there was that thing that what would I do without you? What would I do without you? This sense that like Deja's mom was unable to take care of Deja and herself. And so Deja had to do that. It's interesting to also think about what happens to these characters in the moment where they can't take care of things. So with Jack, I mean, we don't we don't hear much about his past, particularly Vietnam, because we know his brother dies there. So he didn't, you can see where the connections made that he didn't take care of his brother there. Mm-hmm. Leading up to the finale of season one, when Randall has to say goodbye to his father, his, his biological father, like all of this guilt and not being able to take care of it. Yeah, I wonder if Jack's alcoholism manifests as a result of him feeling like he can't take care of things in the way that he feels like he needs to take care of it, right? And then we see here with Deja, like in the moments where she's truly stressed out and can't take care of things is where like she starts to develop the alopecia and Mm. and all of those sorts of things. So it's interesting to see like these characters are so driven by being able to take care of things and what happens when they can't. And this made me think, so we talked about a couple weeks ago that there's a flash forward to Randall with his daughter right and we've always wondered like is that who is that which one of his daughters right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i actually think and my my thinking behind this was strengthened by this episode that that woman who is his daughter is in fact deja in that episode that like there's this through line of jack randall deja and and that was her in that episode as we were flashing forward to the to the woman who was taking care of some foster children who were about to be placed like that's I am, I am more certain now than ever that that's Deja. I disagree. I feel like, I, I still feel like it's Tess. Just the way that it was set up. Like the way that it was set up. In that episode, I remember there was a conversation where Tess was like, 
I like fostering. I think it's really cool. And then the girl looked more like Tess than it did Deja. I'm gonna put my money on. I'm gonna put my money on Tess. I'm gonna put my money on Tess. But I, 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 I do think that like the powerful connection there is Deja gets adopted, or Tess watches people, their family foster, and as a result, wants to like continue that work in a way, right? Like I think, yeah, there's a there's a positive cyclicalness to that. Another place where we disagreed this evening was at, at the end of the episode. I randomly burst out to you with two seconds left in the episode. They're like, they're the ones that earn the monologue. And at first that was completely oh. out of context, right? But what I was saying there was, so Deja's the one that ends with like the monologue that has a greater framing of, of life, right? And she has this monologue about how everyone sleeps, mm-hmm. right? And what I said to you is that she's the character, much like Randall, much like Jack, that earns the monologue. The monologue that in many ways takes care of all of us, right? It's, it's these monologues and we see it through every episode. Jack is certainly the one that always earns the monologue the most at the end of the episode, but Randall's done it several times and like Deja had it tonight. And so like they're the ones, again, taking care of everyone. Like those monologues are the ones that take care of us and also they're the, if you want to say that this show has a like protagonist or protagonist in their family lineage, like. Mm-hmm. I think that we've set up that like Deja's the next in line with Jack, Randall, and now her. Yeah, man, I'm struggling with that one. And my only reason for struggling with that one is because uh, Kevin has had the monologue. Kevin has had what I would say is one of the most pivotal monologues, which was the, the This Is Us monologue. The one where the title of the show was said at the end of the episode, right? That real obvious joint. <laughs> Yo, just because he said the obvious. Yo, I'm telling you, they are not the... Th- Jack, Randall, and Deja are not the only three who have had the monologue, right? And I'm not saying that. I'm saying that they're set up to be the ones that take care of us the most and earn those monologues the most. That's what I'm saying. I- I'm looking into the future. That's my hot take for tonight. Yeah, we got. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I'm j- I just know that there are other episodes where if the if the monologue is people taking care of us, if the monologue is is, is what that is, right? Then I I've seen other characters do that. I am not ready to be like they are the three characters who are going to take care of us the most. Jack, yes, we're clear. The dude is like a saint until I think. That's going to change when we see him in now. We're throwing out the takes tonight. We're throwing out our takes with one episode left in This Is Us Season 2. The one thing, regardless where you fall on that final monologue, the, the idea that stuck with both of us was this idea of everyone sleeps, right? Mm-hmm. And that's our final big three. There was something so universal and so powerful about that monologue. So I said earlier that Deja was set up to be a main character in the show, right? She's... She's no longer going to just be Randall and, and Beth's foster kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's about to play a much more pivotal role, I believe. In a way, like, we've earned as an audience seeing it, right? Getting her backstory, her coming into the Pearsons. Much mm. like in the previous episode, we're earning Toby coming into the Pearsons. Yeah, so Deja was set up to be, like, kind of like a, a, um, a main character. And I feel like that... Like, being able to hear her talk about this idea of, like, every everyone sleeps kind of tied it all together, right? It's this, it's this idea that, like, all our stories have a through line. Like, all of us are similar. All of us experience things, things that make us sad, things that make us feel good, right? Things that hurt us. Like, that our experiences, while nuanced, are not necessarily different. Which then, like, just begs the question of, like... Cool. If you're clear that everyone sleeps, then how well are you going to sleep at night? You know, 
Like, if you're clear that, that, like, right, if you're clear that everything is repeating, then, like, what are you going to allow to repeat in your life, right? Yeah, it makes me think of Deja's mom. Deja's mom and just the things that have repeated in this woman's life. Uh, And, yeah, I got, yeah, sure, I was tight. I was mad when I was watching it. We could talk about how X is her fault and why, Y is her fault. But, you know, her mom was not present. Deja's mom's mom was not present, right? And, and and Deja's mom's grandma, right, said it. Like, you and your mom are just the same, right? You're just like your mom. And then we see at the end of this episode, Deja's mom being just like her mom and leaving Deja, right? Listen, and I, it's going to hurt, but, like, I, I think it's for the best. Um, and so, but there's this repeating. There's this, there's this consistent repeating, right? And we see, we see Deja's mom answering the question of, like, what are you going to allow to repeat? And Deja's mom being like, not this. Not me hurting my daughter. Now I'm not going to keep doing that. And Deja becoming cognizant of like that repeating, right? This idea that things happen, right? Like I'm repeatedly being in different beds. I'm repeatedly experiencing going in and out with my mom. I'm just, just, this, this cycle, this repeating. So like, what are you going to allow to repeat in your life? Deja notes that she's just tired, mm-hmm. right? And you hear that and you see it on her face. And you see the same thing on her mom's face, right? And you're hearing the same thing, right? Which which led us both to saying that, so if you're saying everyone sleeps, that assumes that everyone needs rest from something. Mm-hmm. And what struck me about this episode is we see a lot of images and flashbacks to things that are painful, things that maybe require grieving. Mm-hmm. And everyone needs rest from something. You see that with every character that we saw this evening, right, in different flashbacks. From the moment that we see Jack as a little kid with his brother, we see abuse there. We see Kate losing her baby and her mother there. We see the challenges that Deja's going through all with all through the episode. We see the moment where Randall loses William. We see Kevin dealing with his alcoholism. We see so many things that are challenging and that we need rest from. I thought that was just such a powerful and universal through line, right? And, and where I think some of the empathy can come in for Deja's mom, because she's just tired. Yeah, what do, you, what do you need rest from? Oh man, that's something to journal about. Well, what's clear is we both need rest after this episode because it was an exhausting one. A beautiful, a powerful one, but still exhausting. Yeah, it definitely was. It definitely was. I loved it, but it was that was a hard one. So we've got one more episode doing our regular recap of This Is Us, coming with the season finale next week. We're still going to have great programming happening even after that. So please listen to us on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Like it, share it, rate it, give us your feedback. We'd love it. Until then, I'm Christian Shabu. I'm George Black. And this is Is This Us, the podcast. We appreciate y'all.